today on Anchored in the Word. What's Jesus saying? Look, I love you. If I didn't, I wouldn't be telling you this. You know, there are some people that love you enough to tell you the truth. And Jesus is one of them. And he'll always do that. That's the reason that we go to the Word of God, because he will tell us the truth, and he'll always tell us in love. And he reminds us that you're a child of God. That proves that you're a child of God if you're rebuked when you come under conviction. That means you're a child of God. But he's telling them. This is where Laodicea went wrong. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Are you in a place where something in your life has become more important than Jesus? The church in Laodicea was comfortable in their sin and accepting of the world. Jesus called them to repentance. Jesus is knocking at the door waiting for you to answer. Go back to the fire. His glorious rewards are endless. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 18, with today's study. It keeps you close to the fire when you stay in the Word of God. It keeps you close to Him. And he says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you, that you may be clothed, His holiness, that the shame of your nakedness not be, may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. They were thinking they were seeing, but they weren't. They were blinded to the things that were real. They were deceived. They were lukewarm. And really, there was nothing eternal that was happening. They weren't reaching the lost. A lot of people in the church probably weren't even saved. They thought they were okay. They're the hardest people to reach. They've got their religion. It's basically a cultural religion, really, if you think about it. I'm thinking about myself growing up. I had that. That's all I needed. So I, well, I don't need anything else. I've got that covered. I've got the God corner covered in my life. But I don't have a clue who God is and his son Jesus. I really don't, you know. But they're the hardest people to reach. The lukewarmers, the ones that think they're okay, that are embracing something. It's a form of godliness, but it's denying the power thereof. But Jesus said, you need to come to me. Notice that the key here is you get it from me. You need to go back to the fire. And he reminds them in verse 19 of his love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. What's Jesus saying? Look, I love you. If I didn't, I wouldn't be telling you this. You know, there are some people that love you enough to tell you the truth. And Jesus is one of them. And he'll always do that. That's the reason that we go to the Word of God, because he will tell us the truth, and he'll always tell us in love. And he reminds us that you're a child of God. That proves that you're a child of God if you're rebuked when you come under conviction. 
That means you're a child of God. But he's telling them, this is where Laodicea went wrong. They say, okay, yeah, you're a sinner. Don't feel so bad about yourself, all right? Everybody's doing that. As a matter of fact, the more the days go on, a lot more people are doing it. So don't feel so bad about it. After all, does the Bible really say anything against that anyway? I mean, think about it. Did Jesus really say that that was wrong? You know, has God said? Boy, that's the original lie, isn't it? Undermining God's word. And that's, I'm sure, what they were doing. Be comfortable in your sin. Be comfortable in your sin. I'm hoping that at this church, if you come here, if you're living your life in sin, you won't be able to sit there very long. You won't come back because you'll be convicted of your sin. To me, that's a healthy thing. That shows that God is working through the preaching of his word and through the gathering together of these people. In lukewarmness, you know, everybody was sitting there, they were doing, you know, Corinthian church, you get all that stuff going on, everybody's, you know, they were happy about, oh man, we're a loving church. We're a loving church, we tolerate all kinds of sin. Everything's fine here. I can't judge anybody. But Jesus is reminding them, look, I'm telling you this because I love you. But he does say, you need to repent. Be zealous. Be on fire. He's not embracing you to be cold, by the way. Okay, This word zealous means be on fire. Be on fire and repent. That's where fire comes from, by the way. If you find yourself right now in a place of where you're kind of cooled off, you need to repent. Go back to the fire. There's something in your life that has become more important to you than Jesus. That's just what it comes back to. Whatever it is. It happens to all of us at some time in our walk with Jesus. But just know that the answer for that is to repent, to turn from whatever that is and turn back to him. And man, he's going to crank up that fire. And he's gonna, that, that fire is going to be burning. Gonna be burning. You're going to be on fire for him. Now we get to verse 20. And we see this is a very famous verse used a lot of times. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Picture the idea of Jesus being on the outside, right? He's not inside the church. He's outside. He says, I'm outside. I'm knocking on the door. And he's saying to them, you need to open the door. Jesus is not going to. Bust down the door. And by the way, in Philadelphia, we just read that he, that he can open doors that no man can close. Amen. It's not that he's not able to do that. It's that he won't do it because you need to exercise your free will and love it and your faith. So he says, I want you to open the door. I want you to open the door. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. What's interesting about this is he, he doesn't say, if you hear me knocking... You know, that song, if I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you hear my voice, I'm knocking. But if you hear my voice, open the door that I could come in. See, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep, he doesn't say my sheep hear my knock. My sheep hear my voice. It's important that we have an ear to listen for his voice. And we know we go to the word. That's what we're doing. And we all had people at our door before, probably, where the people knocking on the door and you just say, oh, boy, I don't want to answer that. Right. I know it's coming with that. It's, it's a this or a that. It's a, you know, the fuller brush man. Am I that old? Yeah, I guess I must be. 
the fuller brush man or somebody out there. You know, if you let them in, you'll never get rid of them or whatever, right? And because you wonder, why wouldn't they open the door? If you hear, if you hear my voice, maybe in that lukewarm place, there were just some that weren't going to hear. It was a seared conscious, maybe. We're seeing a lot of things now just where people are so hardened to things that they can't even see things that are just so simple to see. It's amazing. We can see that in this nation, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy. But apparently you can become so callous that you, that you can't hear anymore the voice. He says, if you, anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, there it is. You must do something. You, you must risk whatever you think, because you don't know maybe what's going to happen if you open that door. Maybe Jesus, he's mad. He's surely got to be mad about this. You know, he gave, gave me everything I needed. He saved me, and now I'm lukewarm. Of course, he's upset about that, right? Well, it doesn't say he's going to come in here and box your ears. He's going to come in here and, and give you a, a, a spanking, a yelling, or something like that. Thunder and lightning is going to come in when you open the door. It says, I'm, I'm going to come in and eat with you. That's his answer to fix things? I'm going to come in and eat with you? Yeah, that's the answer. Communion. In other words, this idea of you have need, you've gotten away from what's most important, and that's Jesus himself, and he's, just, he's letting you know, I, I'm knocking on the door, you hear my voice, let me in. Let me in, I want to eat with you. But you're going to eat with me, then you're going to leave, and what's going to, that's going to change you. See, dining, eating in those days, it was not the fast food. Not to go through the, in your car, you're driving by yourself, and you go through the fast food, and you go up to the window, and, and being, you know, you're getting your food, and you're eating by, it's, it wasn't like that at all. That's the extreme, I'm sure, example of what, but eating was, was, it was a thing that you set, and you shared conversation, you shared food together, it was an event, it was an event, visiting, you know, and, and it was very intimate. The people that you ate with, you just didn't eat with everybody. You know, when you ate with someone, you, you shared, you swapped some germs, I mean, you know, really, and, and there was an, there's an intimacy to that. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about, intimacy. He says, you open that door, and I'm going to come in and dine with you. Do you deserve the dining? No. I mean, you, you, they got away from him. They, they went and did their own thing. And it's not like they didn't have enough information. They had all that. But they chose. They got in their own strength, man. They chose the wealth and the, and the doing things on their own, embracing all these other ways. And the middle of the road they chose. And, and says Jesus says, just change what you're doing right now. Just open the door and let me in. I'm knocking at the door. This is a great verse. This is, a, this is a very hopeful verse. He says, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. There's something very intimate going on there. That's what we need. That's what Laodicea needed. Another encounter with Christ to get back to what was most important. Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus, the epitome of God's righteousness. Jesus. But they had gotten busy doing other things, whatever they were, and probably seemingly good things. Seemingly. But it wasn't good if it takes you away from Jesus. That's what happened. They didn't even know it. They thought they were fine. 
They thought they were doing fine, but they were headed for disaster. And then he gives them the promise in verse 21. But what I want to do is, I, I want to, now that we've finished the seven churches, I mean, we're almost finished with this, and I want to go back and revisit the promises to the overcomers. Now remember, at the, book, at the end of every letter, Jesus is telling them, he's trying to encourage them to change their ways, or some, a couple of them, they were doing fine, they didn't need to change, but most of them did. But he, he was reminding them of what he had for them in the future. You see, if you're a Christian walking with the Lord, you've got a bright future. Christianity is mostly, not all, but mostly an existence that is yet future. That's most of our existence is going to be there. How do I know that? Well, this life is a vapor, this life, right? That's a small part of eternity, right? No, I'm not saying this doesn't count. I'm not saying that he doesn't do something for us and in us here. My life is better being a Christian, okay? But what I'm saying is, we've overcome the world because Jesus has. And it's by faith only, a faith alone that we overcome the world. Not by just doing something other than believing. You get away from Him, you're going to believe in something else. You're going to believe in your own strength or whatever the case is. The answer is to get back. But here are the promises found to the overcomers. Chapter 2, verse 7. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Sort of a going back to the garden kind of a thing, you know. They had the tree of life there and the other trees they could eat off of, and, and they chose the tree that was forbidden. Somehow there's going to be a revisiting of that. We'll see that in Revelation. But, and then he says in chapter 2, verse 17, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written that no one knows except him who receives it. Don't understand all that, but I know it's a good thing. And then we turn the page. He says, verse 26 of chapter 2, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels as I also receive from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. Now, Jesus is the morning star. He's talking about, we believe, the millennial kingdom, when you will be giving power over nations to help rule and reign with Jesus. That's what he has in the future for us. Chapter 3, verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will, that's his righteousness, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, security, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Pillars are pretty important in a building, by the way. Um, and I will write on, on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Let me get to verse 21 of where we are now. To him who overcomes, and this is the best one yet, as far as I'm concerned. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 
So right now we know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne. All right? The throne in the throne room of God. And Jesus is saying to those that overcome, I'm going to grant them to sit with me on my throne. Wow. What a privilege that is. I mean, some people get off and they're like, wow, I got to go visit the president. I was in the Oval Office. Well, I've never done that. I'm sure that's a thrill. I mean, I, you know, I've been to the White House, and that was a cool thing and all that. But to go in there and sit with the, with the president, I talked to a friend of mine, really zealous for the Lord, very opinionated for the Lord, too. And um, he was, went to the White House, and I said, what would you say to him? I know this guy's going to speak up for Jesus. But he was like, you know, it was, he was I think, overwhelmed by, you know, uh, be, the moment or whatever. It's a big deal, right? to be with the president in the Oval Office. But I'm going to tell you something. To be on the throne with the King of Kings? Come on, man. That's not even going to, that's, that's going to be like so far below. I don't even know what that could be like. And it's probably going to be a little crowded there, too. Is it, well, we're going to take turns? Is that the way it's going to work? I want to go first. You know? Yeah, your time's up. How long have you been up there? Maybe there's room all at once. I don't know how it's going to work. But I just know it's going, to be, it's going to be better than maybe some of you kids. I never did this, but, you know, it was a cool thing when you get to go with your dad to work or something, you know, and dad takes you here and there or whatever, maybe a cool father-son moment or whatever. It's going to pale by comparison to these kinds of things. And it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. For us, what gets in the way of that? You know, there's something in Laodicea that's getting in the way of the promises that Jesus had for them. There was a block, there was something that was going to thwart possibly what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. And they ha- he had to get it out. It's like cutting out a cancer. You, you just got to get rid of it. You don't, you don't live with it. You don't pretend it's not there. You don't, you don't you know, just tolerate it. You get rid of it in any way you know how, right? And the answer here is to repent, to turn from it. And he, he, gives, he says, I'm knocking at the door. You hear my voice? Open the door. That's, that's you exercising your free will. It's a free will choice that you can make. And it could be a scary thing because, you know, I mean, you thought maybe some of the door that he's knocking on is one that you thought was he didn't know about maybe that was behind that, what was behind that door or, you know, you, you don't want him to see what's behind that door. Here's what I would say to you. He already knows what's back there. He knows everything about us. He's not surprised by anything. You know, you can't, listen, you can't disappoint God. Did you know that? Think about it for a minute. You can grieve him, but you can't disappoint him. Disappointment comes when you had an expectation that wasn't met. You get disappointed, right? Well, God already knows what you're going to do. How can he have an expectation when he already knows the end from the beginning? You see what I'm getting at? So he's not ever disappointed with us. All he wants for us But you get what I'm saying. He's not going to be disappointed. But here's what he's calling us to do today. He's calling us to trust him in a big way. You can trust the one who's on the other side of the door. In this day and age, I know that's it's getting less and less the case in real life. Okay, the things we read about the news. But we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about you will never be sorry you opened the door to him. You'll always be better off for it. And you'll be asking yourself maybe, why didn't I do that sooner? All kinds of things like that, but you'll never be sorry for opening that door and letting him in, no matter what you may think right now about it. You may not know Christ as your Savior, 
In other words, you, you're not saved. You've never repented of your sin. You've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sin. The sin that, and that means that you're still, you've got your sin load on you. And he died for that sin, but to as many as received him, to those he gives the right to be the children of God. So if you've never asked Christ to come in, he's asking you to open that door, just take a chance on Christ, open that door and let him in. It's a free will choice that you'll exercise. And he'll come into your life and he'll save your soul. And then the promises that he has for the overcomers will be yours. That's where it starts. There's not one of this, one of us exempt from this. I can guarantee you none of us have arrived or standing on the top of the theological hill and looking down at everybody else. I wish they were as spiritual as I I am. If you're doing that today, you're self-righteous. That's your problem right there. But the point is, we all have a door. Right now, at least one, that Jesus wants to enter a room. When we, he wants to come into that room of our lives, whatever it would be today. And it's maybe different for each one of us. But today we can, by faith, open that door to Christ today and let him into that part of our life. And be honest with him. He's already known the whole time, but just be honest with him. And he wants to come in there. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. Whenever he went somewhere... The place was always better off for it. And he left behind the fragrance of Christ when he left. And that's what he wants to do for us. And the enemies deceived us into believing, no, no, you can't let that door, you can't open that door, because when he comes in there, he's going he's gonna, to, you'll never, it's going to ruin it, this and that, or whatever the lie would be. Whatever it's been that's kept that door closed from the inside, it's got to change today. And some of us go, well, no, I'll, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix it. And once I get it fixed, then I'm going to open the door and let Jesus in and show him how good it looks in here. Well, haven't you realized by now? You've tried that and it didn't work. I mean, how many times have you tried it, that, that road and it just doesn't work? Because that's what Laodicea was doing. They were in their own strength. They didn't need the strength of God. What he, what's going to come in when he comes in is the very grace or the power of God's going to come in to take care of whatever's in there. And this is the moment of truth between us and God, each one of us, as we pray right now. And ask, God's asking us, he's knocking on that door and he's asking that we would hear his voice and open that door. And he's saying something different to each one of us. But he wants to deliver us. This is a very powerful moment. Don't take it lightly. There's much more Pastor Bill would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey. Pastor Bill will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Revelation next time. All of Pastor Bill's messages through the Bible are available to listen to at our website, anchoredintheword.com. That's anchoredintheword.com. While you're at the website, you can follow us on Facebook, learn more about Anchored in the Word, Calvary Chapel Coastlands, listen to more of Pastor Bill's messages, learn about other ministries as well as upcoming events and our location. That's all available at anchoredintheword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. 
From all of the production team here at Anchored in the Word, we want to say thank you for tuning in. We appreciate all of you that have supported this program. If you're a first-time listener or have been listening for a while, we would love to hear from you. Your testimonies have been a great encouragement to us. If you have an encouraging testimony to share, call us at 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. Or send us an email at office at cccoastlands.org. Now please make plans to join us again for the next study through the book of Revelation with Pastor Bill as we stay moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.